0: Well, what do we talk about tonight? I thought about that for a long time. Uh, One of the issues that you guys have me so much, I have to keep preparing new stuff. Um, And uh, God, that keeps me in the Word. That's a good thing. But I thought a long time and I prayed a lot, and I kept coming back to something that I found very helpful in ministering, particularly to pastors who are going through difficult times. I purchased a number of books. It helped me when I was going through a crisis, and I found that it helps others as well. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. My knees are still bothering me. I, I would rather you looked at the screen than look at me anyway. But if you want to turn your Bibles to follow along, Exodus chapter 14, 15 is where we'll be looking tonight. The book is called The Red Sea Rules, uh, Ten Principles for dealing with times when you're in a difficult situation. The children of Israel had been set free uh, from the land of Egypt. The book of Exodus divides itself into two parts. The first 19 chapters, God gets Israel out of Egypt and then the rest of the book, he gets Egypt out of the Israelites. So that's, that's the way the book works. That's pretty well the story of the book of Numbers as well. In fact, you could argue that much of the Old Testament is God trying to get the the Egypt out of the Israelites. You and I have been set free as well. We've been liberated, and now what what is God working on? Well, he's getting the world out of us. So we get the same kind of experience. The uh, children of Israel were led in an odd direction they were promised to go to the to the promised land they were set free and god led them south instead of just directly east and they end up by the dead sea this uh, route that showed here is is the more uh, recent view of where the red sea was the the gulf of Aqaba. Uh, actually the red sea kind of splits suez on one side the gulf of akaba on the other the red sea down below all of us considered the red sea so where did they cross? Well, the description in Galatians says they ended up, Sinai was in Arabia, not Sinai. So it's not the traditional view. But whether, whatever your view, um, they were in a difficult spot. They got to the place where there was the Red Sea in front of them, mountains on either side of them, and God had changed hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he pursued after them with 600 chariots, probably other soldiers as well. And they realized they were in a very desperate situation. You will occasionally in your life get into one of those tight spots where it seems like there's no way to turn, no way out, no escape. Uh, that'll happen to you sooner or later. Uh, all of us go through those kind of experiences where, you know, it just seems like everything's closing in on you. What do you do? It might be a disease. Uh, it might be an accident. might be I just you lost your job. Something will happen. You'll be in a crisis. What do you do? Well, the book that I found helpful is The Red Sea Rules. This is a small little book. There's only, um, you can buy it for probably $6, $7 on Amazon. Uh, it, it just gives 10 principles that you can kind of draw out. Now, the author stretches things a little bit and uses a little imagination, but I think it's good advice. The outline I'm gonna use is from that book, The 10 Points. Uh, the stuff in the middle is is my own idea, so it is an original thing. So here we are. When you get to the tight spot, number one, realize God means for you to be where you are. God sometimes leads us to cul-de- socks. He does that on purpose. Uh, the Israelites realized they were in desperate situation. Suddenly they cry out to the Lord, what, what's going on here? They say to Moses, did you lead us out in this wilderness to kill us? What in the world is going on? Well, God sometimes leads us in ways. I mean, the children of Israel were aware they were because God led them. They Remember, there's a pillar of cloud by day that led them and a pillar of fire by night. And God led them directly to this spot that seems to be a desperate spot. So when that happens in your life, uh, don't be surprised. Uh, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Uh, don't, Don't be surprised by the trials. Trials will come. You're either in a trial now, coming out of a trial now, or about to go into a trial. So don't panic. You just realize that's the way life is. You're going to be facing those kind of difficulties. The second thing you do is you claim the promises. Now, every Christian here ought to memorize and know Romans 8, 28, right? For we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The next verse tells us what that purpose is, so we might be conformed to the image of his dear son. So God brings things into our life, uh, trials into our life, not to cause us to fall, but to help us to grow. They should be stepping stones, uh, not stumbling blocks. Uh, your trials will either make you better or bitter. And you you have a choice every time. So what should you do? Claim the promise, especially this one. All things work together for good. Now, it doesn't mean that all things are good. It means that he works all things together for good. I've used the illustration here. When I was a pastor, I taught Bible school. And one year I challenged the kids. If they would uh, bring 200 kids to Bible school, I would eat a raw egg. And sure enough, they did it. So the next day, they're all like, "Hey, kids are sick. You know, they they're perverted. They they'd love to see the pastor choke on an egg." So uh, the next day, they came, and I had a I brought a mixer, brought an egg. In fact, I brought two eggs, brought a gallon of milk, brought some other stuff, and. I've told it here, so I won't go into the details, but I really acted it up, and, you know, this is gross, and I, I said, you won't mind me diluting the egg a little bit, I'll put some milk in it, and then I put some brown stuff, I think it was called nutmeg, and I put a little sugar in there as well, I think, and vanilla, that really looked bad, I told, boy, I don't know what this is, this looks awful, but I dumped some of that in, whipped it all up, Got a big glass, and they're all sitting on the edge of their seat, waiting for it to drink it and throw up. And I, I, oh, it's gonna be awful! It's gonna be terrible! And I, I took a sip finally, and and they, oh, it's awful! And the kids are all roaring and laughter. Of course, truth of the matter is, best eggnog I ever had in my life. <laughs> um, that's how God works all things together. Um, you know, think about a cake. Try eating just flour. You know, or just sugar or, you know, some of the stuff that's the bitter chocolate, the dark chocolate, some of that stuff. Well, we need to claim the promises. When you, when you find yourself in that position where your back's up against the wall, claim the promises of God. God is faithful. I'm kind of impressed. I've, I did a study a while back on, on the number of times God says in the word of God, God is good. You know, the devil tries to tempt you to believe in God is not good. Think about the first temptation of Eve. Uh, Hath God said, you consider to question God's word. That's the first part of any temptation. Does God really say that to you? And he's kind of implying that God's holding out on you. There's something really neat. If you would just eat this fruit, why, well, you would be like God. God's holding out. Listen, God doesn't hold out anything from his children. <laughs> He's a loving Father. Number one. Number two, be concerned more concerned for God's glory than your personal relief. Uh, Our trials come to glorify God. The ultimate purpose in our life is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Uh, So uh, the purpose of the ten plagues, for instance, why did God do that to Egypt? Well, He had two things in view. Number one, that Egypt might know that God is God, not their gods. Number two, he wanted Israel to know that he was God. So those 10 plagues demonstrated that God was God. He accomplished his purpose. The Word of God tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, my grace is sufficient for thee. Remember, that's Paul's thorn in the flesh, where he besought the Lord three times. He describes it as a messenger of Satan. We're not sure what it is. Uh, Last time I was here, we preached from that message or passage, so... Uh, you may recall we don't know what it was but whatever it was it was something paul wanted to get rid of and god said no god sometimes says no uh, there are preachers on tv that will tell you god always wants everybody to be healed that's not true god sometimes has a purpose beyond that uh, there are a number of illustrations of uh, think of johnny erickson uh, tata who was paralyzed as a teenager she would not have had her ministry had she not been crippled. God did not, you know, heal her in spite of her prayers uh, at request. God's able to turn um, difficulties into deliverances. He's able to turn a test into a testimony. In fact, if you think about it, would you have a testimony apart from test? You got to have trials in order to have, you know. You got to go through those things. Uh, may not be pleasant at the time. He's able to turn a problem into praise. And then ask the right questions. Wrong. How can I get out of this mess? <laughs> That's kind of our first question. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes it's God who leads us. Sometimes it's our own dumbest decisions. Let's be honest. Sometimes we get into a pickle because of some stupid thing we did. Some decision that we we made. I can think of a number of times when I didn't listen to my wife that I later wished I had. <laughs> Somehow she sensed something I didn't in a man or something. And uh, well, don't ask how do I get out of this mess. Ask how can God be glorified in this? What is what is God up to? What does He want to do? Uh, John nine uh, is the blind man. You remember. The blind man, uh, the disciples said, who said, this man or his parents? And what was Jesus' answer? Neither this man nor his parents said, but this is for the glory of God. So God had another purpose beyond what they saw. Job's friends only saw one cause for suffering, and that is doing bad things. You're being punished. But God sometimes allows bad things to come into our life for a different purpose. And that was true in the case of Job. John 11, verse 4 um lazarus is sick and the disciples are concerned jesus says this is for the glory of god uh, he couldn't have raised lazarus from the dead unless he died so he had to die first that was the part of it uh, john 12 uh, is where jesus talks about the cross and he said for this moment i was born should i now uh what should i do and he's his Say, but of course, as he's going to afford for the glory of God. He's there to please God. That's what his purpose was. Number three: acknowledge your enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. Israel is facing a real enemy, Egypt, the Egyptian army, Pharaoh and his army. Uh, you and I have enemies. Uh, we have an enemy called Satan, who goes about seeking whom he may devour. So, uh, it's okay to keep an eye on him, but but uh, you know to to take note of them. But don't focus on your enemy. Um, recently, there's been people focusing on deliverance ministries and things like that. And, you know, our, our gospel is powerful enough to take care of demons. Um, you know, he's, he is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we can trust God, even in those difficult times, to be more powerful. Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principality, against the rulers of darkness in this present world. We are in a hostile environment. Uh, America is becoming more hostile to Christianity all the time. Um, it's unfortunate. There is some blowback now. Uh, some parents are becoming very concerned what they saw their kids learning on, on uh, Facebook, you know, when they Covid's one of the fringe benefits of COVID was a lot of parents tuned in and found out what their kids were learning or not learning in school, and they were not happy about it. So you're seeing some blowback, but by and large, our society is becoming more and more anti-Christian all the time. Uh, Conservatives that go on college campuses are shouted down. Um, They're not allowed to speak. People that supposedly believe in freedom of speech say freedom of speech for me, but not for you. Uh, That's the kind of thing that's going on. We're seeing that all the time. Uh, Peter is the one who reminded us in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil goeth about seeking whom he may devour. But the word of God says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, James 4.7. So we have the ability to respond by resisting the devil and draw near to Christ. Now, if you think about it, the times in your life when you grew the most were times when not when everything was going well, but when things were difficult. Those are the times we have kind of a growth spurt. We learn more about God, more about ourselves during those times uh, when we're going through a trial. Pray is number four. Cry out to God. The children of Israel cried out to God. Now they also complained. So uh, in the time context, but. Chapter 14, verse 10 says, When Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. One of the most effective things you can do uh, is pray to God. I love Psalm 61, verse uh, 2 From the ends of the earth I will cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And times in your life when you feel overwhelmed, that's the time to cry unto the Lord. Lead me to that rock that is higher than I. 2 Samuel 2, 7, uh, David said, In my distress I called upon the Lord. I cried unto my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. You'll read in the book of Psalms many times where the psalmist says, I cried unto the Lord. Uh, this is not just a, a minute prayer, bless the food kind of thing. This is where you really get serious with prayer. God, I need you and only you can help. And He is able to do that, so cry unto the Lord. Number five, stay calm and give God time to work. Don't panic, don't panic. Uh, A lot of Christians throw up their hands in despair when they go through a trial. Just give God time. I mentioned this morning, not being patient. Uh, you know, God tells us again and again in the scriptures, we need to wait on the Lord. God doesn't do things in a hurry often. Um, I sometimes wish he did. His timing is often not my timing. Um, he, you know, he, he's never in a hurry, but he's never late. He always does things on time. So wait on the Lord. Uh, There are plenty of verses about that, you know that, and there's there's several of them listed there. Walk by faith, not by appearance. Keep your emotions under control. Don't trust your emotions. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. You cannot trust your feelings. You cannot trust your heart. You have to trust in the Lord. You can't trust in your own understanding. They not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God has promised to do that. You don't know what to do? Wait. God will show you what to do. Uh, He will do it in his time. uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, The book of Habakkuk is a book about a prophet who's wrestling with what's going on in his world and he doesn't understand, and he, he basically uh, throws up his hands in despair in chapter 1. Chapter 2, he gets the answer, the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. We believe the promises of God. Does God, did God l- lie to us? No, we would never say that, but sometimes we act as though he did, and so we have to be careful that and guard our hearts. So stay calm, don't trust your emotions, get your emotions in check. Um, Peter talks about girding up the loins of your mind. Uh, the men in Old Te- uh, New Testament time lived in, had robes, and if they wanted to run, they had a belt. They could gird up the skirt, tuck it in, and then they could run freely. And sometimes you have to kind of pull your mind together. Uh, some of your emotions, you have to kind of bring them into, into con- focus and into control. So stay calm, give God time to work. Whoops, I almost skipped six. Take the next logical step by faith. Uh, The Israelites are told in in Exodus 14, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then the next command is go forward. Take the step. So wait for God to show you what to do. Uh, You may not know the end, uh, where this is going to lead, but take the next logical step. Uh, What would be the next thing that you ought to do in your life? So day by day, do what comes next. Matthew 6, 34, take no thought for tomorrow, for the tomorrow, for that shall take take care of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Trust God for guidance. I already quoted the passage in Proverbs. Uh, Remember that God is with you. I love that verse. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's there. Take the next step. Wait for him to show you what to do. Then take the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. He'll lead you and guide you through the crisis. Envision God's presence. Uh, St. Patrick's breastplate is a prayer that St. Patrick prayed. Part of it says, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ behind me, beneath me. Uh, surrounded by the presence of God. We need to remember that we are in God's presence. Uh, For the Israelites, they had a, a pillar of cloud that was demonstrated God's presence with them, pillar of fire by night, and that cloud guided them step by step. You and I don't have that. We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. And God will show you out of His Word what He wants you to do when He wants you to do it. But part of that is envision that presence of God. God is our a refuge, our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1. Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. When um, I was a teenager, I was saved when I was 13, felt called of god to be a minister or pastor or evangelist in uh when i was in junior high but drifted away from the lord had my own course planned out i knew what i was going to do i was going to go to uh, go to college and law school become a lawyer and then eventually a politician and you know i had further ambitions than that but Barb, I've told you before, Barb was my girlfriend. I had a job. I had a car. I had good grades. Everything on, life was on the top, and suddenly everything crashed. Barb had an epileptic seizure, almost died in Iowa. We were living in Michigan at the time. Um, I I knew in that instant that everything I had, God could take away from me, and he can do the same to you. It was at that point I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, and then he began to guide me and direct me. Uh, it wasn't too long after that that he called me to go to Bible college instead of junior college as I'd planned. Um, there was only two weeks before the semester my youth pastor made a call. I, I entered Pillsbury Baptist Bible College without ever filling out an application. I don't know if they ever figured that out or not, but I was admitted and there and you know, off we went. Uh, the next logical step. see. What does God want you to do? Well, the next logical step for me was, if you're gonna be a pastor, you need to get to Bible college, and so I did. So envision God's presence. God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now for the Israelites, they had that pillar of fire, but that'd be a pretty obvious thing, wouldn't it? Now, you and I are at the temple of the Holy Spirit, however. Number eight, trust God to deliver in his own unique way. Have you noticed God does things his own way? Here's the children of Israel. They got mountains on either side of them. The Red Sea's in front of them. The Egyptian army's coming up behind them. How are they gonna get out of this mess? Well, God splits the Red Sea. Just splits it in two and they walk across on dry land. What became a means of escape for the Israelites became a death trap for the Egyptians. So, God sometimes works in miraculous ways. Psalm 77, verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Psalm 105, marvelous ways. Remember his marvelous works which he hath done, his wonders and his judgments in his mouth. And sometimes uh, mysterious ways. Uh, We'll get to that in just a minute. But think about the miraculous ways God acts. Uh, He created the world just by speaking it. Uh, I just recently read a devotional where The author said, you know, when God wanted animals, he spoke to the, had plants, he spoke to the land, but when he made man, he talked to himself, said, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. Uh, You are valuable to God, he has a plan and purpose for your life, and even though you can't see it now, there is a plan. God has a plan, and he'll work all things together for your good. Well, God's works are marvelous, there's no question about that. You know, you think of our gods, Isaiah 40 is so one of my favorite chapters, the passage about, wait on the Lord, shall mount up with wings as eagles, renew your strength, mount up with wings as eagles, etc. In that passage, it talks about the creation. He just made the earth. He just made the whole thing. Uh, last night was pretty windy. A uh, pastor mentioned they almost got blown off the highway going up to Watertown today. You know, God's able to still the wind in the wave. You think of those disciples on the Sea of Galilee that's that's waves, the storm comes up, they think they're going to drown, Jesus is sleeping, they wake him up and he gets up and he calls them, go ye of little faith. And then he speaks to the, the sea, peace be still, and suddenly it's calm. God can calm the storm anytime he wants to in your life. But more often, I find that he calms me in the midst of a storm rather than calming the storm. So you can trust God in that way. And then, mysterious what's the greatest mystery of all time? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul says it's the mystery of godliness. You think about that. God could take an ungodly person. Save him, redeem him, and transform his life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, a new creation. All things are uh, become new. God is able to change a person's life. Um, I've seen drunkards, drug addicts converted, liberated. I've seen marriages restored with the gospel. God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes, sometimes using a child. Um, my. In law my uh, wife's grandparents were unsaved on on her mother's side. Uh, the father c- claimed he was saved as a Methodist when he was nine, but never really showed any evidence of that. Wendy was burdened for her. Uh, he had gone on to be with the Lord already, but Wendy was concerned about her grandmother, and so she wrote her a letter. It made uh, grandma furious. But it was the beginning of of her coming to know Christ as her savior. Uh situation happened that she had to live with her two daughters half the year with one, half with my mother-in-law. My father-in-law, my father-in-law, when they were first married, uh was studying for the ministry, was staying overnight with them, and they she came into the room. So I'm reading the Bible says, Don't you bring that book into my house ever again? That's how antagonistic. So when she came to live with them. He said, now, Mom, every day at noon, we have family devotions. If you're going to live here, you're going to have to sit here and listen. And she did. And one day she asked if she could pray. And uh, then she asked, Bob, could I just talk to you? I'm just not sure I'm saved. She was saved. Uh, God used a letter that was hated at first. God can use a gospel tract. God could use a child. You know, God can use anyone. He, his ways are just amazing. But think about the, that splitting of the Red Sea. I, I could picture some mother telling the kid, don't touch that wall. Because if I was there, wouldn't you want to go up and kind of, you know, see what's going on? Are there any fish in there? Could you throw a <laughs> rod? You know. Well, what a day that was. Now, that would pretty well convince me that God was God, wouldn't it, you? Israel's pretty odd. They're all all baptized by one at the same time as they went through the water. Uh, he did it. Then nine, you your view your current crisis as a faith builder. God uses our trials to help us develop our faith. Uh, it's when he can show himself strong on our behalf. Remember what he told Paul about my grace being sufficient? See, uh, His strength is made perfect in our weakness. It's when we are weak that we really are strong. We're dependent more on Him. So Exodus uh, 14, 30 and 31, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. Uh, Someone has described our trials as being treadmills for the soul. Um, They're designed to venture us, to deepen our faith. Faith building is pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Uh, Expect all faith to be tested. You can just depend on that. Uh, Your faith is going to be stretched. God occasionally does things in our life that just kind of stretch us and put us out of our comfort zone. Uh, find and claim the promise of God in every situation. Uh, Facebook, I since I started, I put a promise every day. I repeat some because some of them are very worth repeating. All of them are worth repeating. But, you know, there's an amazing number of promises in the Word of God. And God has promised. And so we can claim those promises in the midst of all that. So trust God. And then don't forget to thank God. Number 10, when the trial's over, don't forget. Don't forget. Learn the lessons that God has for you. Don't forget to praise him for bringing you through it. He will do that. Exodus 15, 1 and 2, Moses sings a song. They sang the song of Moses. The children of Israel sang this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he triumphed gloriously. His horse and rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. So Israel leads in a song. Did you know before the throne of God, we're going to sing the song of Moses? That's a song that in have. I've enjoyed the music here today. I, I always enjoy the music here. Your instruments do a great job, and your leader does a great job in leading it. But you sing like you mean it. That's that's the way it's supposed to be, you know. I'm in some churches and they, you know, just you know, amazing, great, you know, just kind of drag it out and, you know, we have a glorious God. we we'll to be thankful. I have two last things I wanted to share with you. Um, when I went through my trial, two thousand nineteen ninety nine. I was forced to resign from the First Baptist Church of West Seneca. My deacons rebelled and asked for my resignation. I ended up doing that. Could have fought them and and split the church, but I felt that was the wrong thing to do. I was in one of those cul-de-sacs. What do you do? I was 51 years old. Uh, Churches aren't looking for a failed pastorate. They're looking for successful. I could argue it was successful, but, um, you know, obviously I ended up on the wrong side of it. A friend, Maynard Bell, sent me a a quote that uh, really helped me, and I think it might help you if you're in one of those cul-de-sacs. He brought me, uh, this is by Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was going through a severe trial when he wrote, He brought me here. It is by his will that I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. He will keep me here in his love and give me the grace to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing teaching me the lessons he intends for me to learn. In his good time, he will bring me out again, how and when he knows. Let me say, then, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, for his time. That was a tremendous help to me. Then my friend added something. This is Maynard. He was now with the Lord. God goes deeper than our deepest valley, is larger than our largest trial, Brings to light our darkest hour and always at his best when we are at our lowest. Stay in the word, search and guard your heart. Trust in the days ahead as you have in the past. God may be up to something that you would never have thought. Now, part of that is that's how God launched me into the ministry I'm in today. I went from a local ministry to a statewide ministry first with New Yorkers, then with Arise Ministry. God uses things in our life for his glory, often beyond our expectation. So you're going through a trial right now. What do you do? Well, these 10 steps I think will help you. I might add, one of the things to do is to search your heart to see if it's something you've done. Ask God, David prayed, search me, O God, know my heart, try my thoughts. You and I need to have God trial. There's some times that we go through trials because of chastening. We've disobeyed God and he has to chasten us. Every one of us goes through chastening. Hebrews 12 says, every son whom the father receiveth, he chasteneth." So that means everybody gets some chastening in their life. When that happens, uh, confession is what's appropriate. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. And just forgive us our sins and cleanse us for all, all unrighteousness. But if you find yourself in a place that you had no control of, it's the choices of others or the circumstances. You're in a cul-de-sac. I think, I hope you'll remember the 10 rules. Just 10 things to help you. God keeps his word. He's never lied to us. He will get you through. A black preacher was once asked what his favorite verse in the Bible was. He said, well, it's not really a verse. It's an expression. And they say, well, what is it? It come to pass. Praise the Lord, it didn't come to stay. It come to pass. Our trials are only for a little while. And then, you know, the day will come when we're in heaven. Our trials be over forever and ever. Until then, we're in a world where we're going to reach those dead ends and wonder what to do. God will make a way where there seems to be no way father thank you for being a faithful god a faithful father you guide and direct your children sometimes you guide us in ways that we don't really understand we end up in what we think is a dead end but lord you know and you have the ability to change a dead end and take the test and make it a testimony lord thank you for the triumph we were promised in christ in jesus name amen